en een hartelijke goeie morgen. Welkom bij ons program Skriftierlik, waar ons wekelijk saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte, vervra waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, die woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na die woord. En Psalm 119, sê, die woord is een lamp vir my voete en een licht vir my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraak laat, om die waarheid te vind en licht te skyn op die vraag uit die skrifte, waarmee ek en jy moendik kan worstel nie. Krijg dus gauw jou Bijbel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skrifteerlik. Kom raak aktief, geloos aktief, met 657 Radio Kansel en 729 Kaapse Kansel. Our family is just getting bigger and bigger. Welcome to 657 AM. That's where you tune to, 657 AM. It's a Tuesday morning and a warm-hearted morning from God's footstool here in Kilner Park in Pretoria. Indeed, a privilege to be in your company and it's always for the next hour. While searching through God's word, the highest authority known to mankind by which God wants us, well, to uh, find the answers to life that we're searching for. I'm talking about the Bible. Somebody called it the acronym for uh, basic instruction before living eternally. Uh, yeah, om jou hart te draai na die woord van die Heere toe. With me in studio, Pastor Rocky Stevenson. Rocky, good morning to you, my brother. How are you keeping on this uh, beautiful Tuesday morning? Morning, Vainant. It's been a wonderful morning so far. As I mentioned to you a bit earlier, I drove through from Grace Christian Church Primrose this morning where I had a wonderful prayer meeting with two of my brothers there, one from Calvary Baptist, Edward Kanaya. He was on on Friday during one of your um, shows recently and Will Tate at Grace Primrose and so we had a wonderful time this morning beseeching the face of the Lord looking looking to see revival even in our land if the Lord wills. Yeah, time. and so many prophecies over South Africa about revival, and we trust and we hang in there and uh, we look towards the Lord, and ultimately we have this this expectation. Uh, Maranatha, Lord, come, Lord Jesus, your Amen. bride is waiting for you. Right, so for the next uh, hour, uh, we're going to search the Scriptures with regards to questions that you might have. We already received some uh, questions this morning. So, hoe neem jy deel aan die program? Jy stuur vir ons een WhatsApp. Jy tik dit vir ons uit en jy stuur het na 082-657-2729. If you didn't get that, don't despair. We'll be repeating it throughout the course of the program and uh, sharing that with you this morning. So uh, if you've missed out on it, just a sideline remark. If you've got a question from God's Word, just note the Scriptures. Please make a clear uh, indication of the Scriptures with which you're struggling with this morning. It just makes life a little bit easier to find that Scripture quickly in God's Word. And then uh, if we uh, if we want to answer you from that. Now, vanochtend sit jy dalk net en luister na die program, het jy al gehoor van skriftierlik hier op Radio Kansel, en neem jy nie actief deel nie, jy luister net. Kan ek vir jou vraag, daar waar jy nou is, om te bid <coughs> vir Pastoor Rocky, te bid vir die atelier, vir ons hier, that what we do here, we would do by the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, and not in flesh. Not seek to uh, 
to 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 glorify ourselves and 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 to to put ourselves out there. Kijk hoe goed is ons nou. Ons het die antwoorde. Nee nee. Let the Geest van die Here for us answer. Let God lead us by His Holy Spirit. Let God's Spirit speak to us, and that's what we ask you to pray for this morning. It's a very unique talent that uh, the Lord has given to Rocky. Not everybody can do it. I know three men in my life: Tyrell Hawk, uh, Pastor Matt Fulhun. And to Rocky Stevenson, who can do this? Take your calls live on air, your your WhatsApps live on air and answer these questions. But we need to do that with humble hearts and in prayer. So please pray for us this morning. Come on, Springweg. Rocky, we don't have much time. Uh, let's start with uh, one. And we see this often in South Africa. Protest action. Human rights. We have the right to protest and uh, take part in protest action. Question is, do we as Christians have uh, the right to take part in protest action? What does the Word of God say with that regard? How do we answer our Christian brothers and sisters? It says this morning, well, there's a lot wrong in South Africa. We have seen all over the world, and indeed in South Africa, it's only through protest action that we can change the establishment. Uh, what does the Word of God say with regards to that, Rocky? Thanks, Venon. That's a good question. Um, a passage that comes to mind that is often used by people to say God forbids protest action is a passage like First Thessalonians 4 from verse 11 to, to 12, which says, And to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands, uh, just as we commanded you, so that you will walk properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. But that passage doesn't really talk about protest action. If you read the broader context, and that's what's important when we come to any passage in God's Word, it's good to read a broader context. And to start with the context here, we'd start a a few verses before in verse 9, where it says, Now concerning love of the brothers, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed you do practice it towards all the brothers who are in Macedonia, but we urge you, brothers, to excel in this more. And then right after this he says, lead a quiet life. Part of what Paul was correcting here was a group of busybodies that were actually busying themselves in each other's business and not working well with their hands, and they were getting about things in in a different way. And so context is important when we think about even what Paul was facing at Thessalonica and the afflictions that he was going through, the persecution he was going through, even for the gospel. And he encourages this church who themselves were now facing a similar persecution and a similar affliction as what he had done when he was at Thessalonica. So it's important to think through some of even the historical historical context of the Apostle Paul in a passage like that. And and I'd take us to a passage like Acts 17 if we were thinking about this passage in particular regarding protest action. And Paul says, or God's Word says, and Luke writes this, this section of inspired scripture in Acts 17 from verse 2 to 10. He talks about Paul having reached Thessalonica, and what ended up there is actually a riot. There was a riot caused by the Jews who were jealous of the Apostle Paul, and they actually locked up a guy named um, Jason, and they dragged him out, and and he needed to be bailed out of prison. And Paul was then sent away at verse 10 of Acts 17. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. Paul and Silas had come to Thessalonica, having been beaten up 
by by those that were in Philippi. You'll remember the Philippian jailer yes. story and the Philippian jailer that came to know Christ. And so what do we see even regarding Paul and his gospel ministry throughout the gospel um, as he's proclaiming the gospel in, in the book of Acts? You find that the church is persecuted. The church is the church never ever starts. A, um, they never take part in protest action, but in many respects they start protests. They start protests because people protest against the truth that the apostles are giving. And the apostles are standing firm upon God's word, and they teach the truth, and they shine a light in the darkness. And John John 3 verse 19, which says, this is the judgment, the light is coming to the world, but the people have loved darkness because they love their evil deeds. And so when the light shines in the darkness, it often causes riots, it causes protests because of the truth that is given. They would even say of the Apostle Paul, these men have turned the world upside down. If only they would say that more about Christians even in our day. Our first and foremost priority is towards the gospel. We're not so worried about the blackouts in our country. We're worried about the fact that people love darkness and that people are attracted to darkness and that they are in darkness and in captivity. And so we preach the gospel and we give it boldly. So many many Christians even um, cause controversy in this world, but they're not protesters as such and now we are called protestants if you're part of the evangelical church we called protestants because 503 years ago somebody like martin luther stood against what was then the tyranny of his day and he nailed um the 95 thesis onto a a door a church door and he called on the church to repent because there they were saying you needed to do good works to be saved and you needed to do a bunch of things Whereas you need Christ alone to be saved. You Which was a have, form of protest, Exactly. Wasn't it? There was yeah. a protest. So yeah. there's a sense where we, we hold to that which is true, but in many respects we proclaim what is true. But listen to what Matthew 10, verse 16 to 27 says. Jesus says this, Behold, I sent you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. But beware of men, Jesus says, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake. And here's the reason that they will do this, and God allows this. We must realize that God is sovereign even over the wickedness of men, even over the persecution of the church in our day. And there's a lot of persecution happening in our church. I was just listening this morning to a Generations broadcast that we're talking about um, Nigeria, and Nigeria being actually the second largest evangelical uh, nation. Then China is third. So that first is U.S., then Nigeria, and then China at the moment. And they're facing huge persecution. A pastor and his two sons were killed just this week by um, those that were uh, the second largest religion in our world that actually killed these these faithful servants of the Lord, even in that country. And you could get something like the Voice of the Martyrs app on your cell phone if you wish. Voice of the Martyrs, Ashley Ilman is the head of Voice of the Martyrs out here in South Africa, and you could get hold of them, and they give you a good update on what's happening as far as the persecuted church if you wish to do that. But listen to what Jesus says. He says, you, you will be before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Why will we? We will actually give testimony about our Lord Jesus. But when they deliver you over, do not worry about how you or what you are to say, for it will be given you in that hour what to say. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. And brothers will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all because of my name. 
but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. But whatever they, wherever they persecute you in this, this city, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not finish going through all the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A passage like Second Timothy three ten to 12 says this, But you follow my teaching and conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings. See the Apostle Paul saying there, follow even my persecutions and sufferings, yes. such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, and listen to what he says here in verse 12 of Second Timothy 3. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So it's not so much that a Christian actually takes part in um, protest action or starts a protest. In many respects, we already are the odd one out in this yeah, world. Yeah. We're the light shining in the darkness. And so you just stand firm upon God's word and you teach God's word and you proclaim God's word. And then you accept the sovereignty of God over the consequence of doing that, whether you're going to suffer or not for this. Uh, Philippians two fourteen to 16 says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. God tells us we're in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Yet I think sometimes we, even as evangelicals in South Africa, get confused and think that we're in some type of utopia or that we're in something where things must be going well. So then we start doing this. We start actually grumbling and disputing instead of just trusting in the Lord and being a shining light in this generation. And he says, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. What should we hold fast to the most? Should it be our human rights or should it be the word of God? For the Christian, it's the word of God. As we stand upon God's word and as we say the truth, as we speak the truth in this world, we shine a light in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome the light. Our Lord Jesus has had victory over darkness. He crushed the head of the serpent, even as the serpent bit at his heel and, and bruised his heel. And then it says, so that in the day of Christ, I will have reason to boast because I did not run in vain or labor in vain. There's a number of examples of this as we think through even biblical accounts. Did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego protest? Yeah. yeah to a degree, but they didn't cause a riot. They didn't go toy-toy. Yeah. They, they actually just did not bow to a false god. They simply did Which, what was right. With, within their rights, within so, the, the, yes, the, the so, instruction from well, God's and, word. And the principle is then yeah. just to do what's right. Yeah. As Christians, we must do what is right and then trust God with the outcome. When they were thrown into the furnace, their whole attitude was a biblical attitude where they said, if we are consumed in the fire, then that is God's will. But if God wants to rescue us from the fire, he'll rescue us from the fire. And who then appeared with them? Jesus himself yes. appeared with them in the flames and guarded them. Did Daniel start a protest when they were said that you can't pray to anybody else other than to the king? There was a government edict. There was, in a sense, a, a mandate that was given. No, he simply did what was right. He continued praying to the Lord. And then he trusted God. When he was caught by these guys out because they were jealous of him and they started this mandate to attack him and they throw him into the lion's den, he just says, well, God is the one over the lion. And God himself closed the <laughs> lion's mouth. Yeah. You know, somebody like the Apostle Paul, if you go and study what he, what he went through in the book of Acts, he was often persecuted and afflicted. He was afflicted in so many ways. And then he says in Romans 1, 16 to 17, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. 
This is the big point for us as Christians, to not be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous will live by faith. So the point for us as Christians is live by faith. Do what God's word says. Trust him. And then trust him with the outcome. Because we can say, like the Apostle Paul, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. So what are some principles? Well, don't be afraid. How many Mm. times the New Testament says, do not be afraid? It's It's actually the most repeated phrase from our Lord Jesus Christ. And even as he sends us out, he says, don't be afraid. I'm with you, even to the ends of the age. So Jesus is with you, Christian. You can, you can stand upon the truth of God's word and accept whatever affliction comes your way. And in a sense, there's a, there's a great protest against the evil of our day yes. that the Christian does. But there's no standing up for our own rights. Even our Lord Jesus went silently to the cross like a lamb to be slaughtered. Yeah. He humbled himself to the will of God. He accepted the sovereignty of the Lord over himself. And then stand firm. You know, the the Bible, oftentimes the Apostle Paul encourages the church, stand firm, therefore. Mm. He even tells us, be like men, you know, be courageous. You think of somebody like Joshua in his day who was strong and courageous, says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Yeah. And so for the listener and for our dear friends that are listening to us, stand firm in the Lord. You can trust yeah. God's word. And even if that brings affliction, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. You must love Jesus so much that even your affection towards others looks kind of like hatred. It, if it brings division between you and your children, you and your parents, you and your government, you and your whatever, trust the Lord, have a good conscience and stand firm in your faith and do what is right. If it means the lion's den, it means the lion's den. Go and look at something like Hebrews chapter 11. You see these great people of faith faith. that live by that. And and there's a wonderful passage there that says people that that were not worthy of this world. They were sawn in half. They were cut. Their heads were chopped off. They were given to the lions. But they, they faithfully served God. And this is the great cloud of witnesses that even witnesses are running this race that we have. And so don't back down from the truth. This is what the Christian ought to do. Don't back down. You stand upon God's word. People can attack you as much as you wish. You can say, well, this is what my Bible says. This is who my Jesus is. This is the gospel of truth. And in that sense, you protest against the, the, the wickedness of this world and the God of this world, Satan, who deceives many that yeah. are in this world. Yeah. We are people of light. We are pilgrims on a pilgrim way. And we are those that declare the excellencies of him who called us from darkness to light. So then proclaim the excellencies of him. And that passage that I'm referring to there is First Peter 2, verse 9 to uh, 12. And I'll read that to, to us. It says, but you are a chosen family a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. That's the job of the Christian in this world. It's not our job to be protesting all the political things that we see around us. And there's a lot of darkness in this world, and that should give us extra oomph in our step regarding proclaiming the excellencies of his marvelous light. And it says, for you once were not a people, But now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. And I do think that a lot of this kind of niggling over this right, that right, and this toy toy thing, often that time that we can be tempted into actually being fleshly instead of spiritual. 
instead of giving to our enemy, loving our enemy even. And he says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from f- fleshly lusts that wage war against your soul by keeping your conduct excellent among the Gentiles. We ought to keep our conduct Somebody's excellent. watching, somebody's listening. Exactly. Always. And yeah. then listen to what he says here. He says, mm-hmm. So that in the thing which they slander you as evildoers, He's not saying like when this, he's not saying if this happens, he says when this happens, so that that in the thing which they slander you as evildoers, the world will look at the church and say you're being evil by doing this. They'll say something like you're being evil by assembling on the Lord's day to worship. Don't you know the mandates that are given? (laughs) You know, why aren't Mm. you listening to the mandates? You're being evil because you're not doing this thing that the government said or this thing that you don't need to go and protest. You just need to serve your Lord and obey your Lord. And then it says that they may be because of your good works as they observe them. Glorify God in the day of visitation. You see, vengeance is the Lord's ministry, but the ministry that we've been given as Christians is the ministry of reconciliation. Isn't it marvelous that God would set us apart for the ministry of reconciliation? We go to a world and we say, this is the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the one that can take you from darkness and transfer you into the kingdom of light. Come to him. So what is the principle? Well, we ought to do what is right and then face whatever consequences come for doing what is right. As we serve our Lord and as the Lord determines, you see, even the heart of a king is in the hands of the Lord, the Bible says. And so no matter what's happening politically around us or all of the difficulties that we face, we can keep doing what is right. We can be content. You remember what the Apostle Paul said when he talks about all the things he went through? He says, I've learned the secret of being content. We can be happy in Jesus, even if it means being thrown into prison or for doing what is right or going to the lion's den. We can be happy. Remember Paul and Silas again, as I mentioned earlier, regarding the Philippian prison? Yeah. They're there in stocks. They've just cast a demon out of a demon-possessed girl, and her slave owners have lost some profit because she was a, somebody that many people paid a lot of money to get some of the future from her. You know, just like today, people love to know what's the future. They buy a magazine just so that they can read yeah, the, the horoscopes cards. Horoscopes you know, and stuff Horoscopes like that. and yeah, all the rest of card it. Card readers. And, um, and so they get chucked into prison because there was a riot that happened because people were losing some money. You see, people are so the same today. They're so concerned about their money. They're concerned about three major things. They're narcissists, they're hedonists, and they're materialists. You attack one of those three things, they get really upset with you. But they get thrown into prison, and they're singing hymns to God. I mean, they've just been beaten up. They've been put into stocks in a Roman prison. And they sing in hymns to God. And what an impact these two men made on all the prisoners around them. That when God shakes the, that, that place and all of the chains fall off and the Philippian jailer is about to land on his own sword, they say, no, no, stop, stop, stop. We're right here. All the prisoners are here. That night, that Philippian jailer and his whole household come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. All, all Paul and Silas did is they did what was right. And they trusted God with a consequence. The consequence in that event was they got thrown into prison. Did God not have a plan? Of course he had a plan. The church at Philippi gets started. And it's many times not our plan. Even like the three Hebrew children saying, even if God doesn't come through for us in the fire. Exactly. Their witness was a big enough witness. Even if that night there were no no, 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 no earthquake, no nothing, and, you know, God would still have a plan. Yes, God has a plan. Mm. And we don't often know his plan. Ours is to just simply follow the Lord. Ours is to submit to him and do what is right. And then we trust him with the outcome. And that night, I mean, you think now of the Philippian jailer and his family. 
the next day they get they get sent away or they go actually to Thessalonica, which is part of what we read even in Thessalonians. But we've got the book of Philippians. We've got the book of Thessalonians. Oh, we've right. got all of this wonderful, you know, God has inspired his word and given this to us. And it was birthed out of so much suffering of the apostles as they did what was right and as they faced the consequence trusting the Lord. You think of the apostle Paul who was stoned and chucked out onto the onto the rubbish heap because they think he's dead. Yeah. He gets up. He probably had his vision of the third heaven at that point but he gets up he walks back in and what does he carry on doing preaching he carries on doing the right thing ours is a proclamation ministry ours is not a demonstration ministry now as we proclaim we show the demonstration of god's kindness toward us and we show that we are people that were taken out of darkness into light and we show that we actually care more about the glory of christ in this world than our own glory so friends we we need to wake up in a sense to the fact that this world will hate us if we're Christians. We don't need to protest or not protest. We just need to live as Christians. And then we'll get attacked. <laughs> we can expect that. The Lord Jesus said that that will happen. So proclaim, speak, live out Christ, do what is right, refuse to do what is wrong, even if there's some kind of mandate for it. God tells us what is right and wrong in his word, and we can trust his word. We don't need anybody else to teach us. We have the Spirit of God who teaches us these mm. things. And when we suffer for doing what is right, what should we do? Rejoice, not protest. Rejoice when we actually counted worthy to suffer for the sake of Christ. There's a coming reward that we will be a part of because we shine for the Lord Jesus Christ. So the simple answer is no, Christians should not take part in protests. It, it, it is relatively simple. I do yeah. think there are some things like the abortion that happens in mm. our country or the murders. I, I find it tragic that we will have a presidential speech regarding load shedding when there's an average of about 63 murders a day happening in our country, around 156 rapes that are recorded, and mm-hmm. that's apparently under-recorded because many people are scared to go to the, the police, but we don't have a national address regarding that okay. from our president, but we have a, an address regarding lights that go off. You know, that is tragic, and I yeah. think a Christian should be realistic regarding some of these things. But uh, but in a simple sense, yes, no, we, we, we should not be a protesting people in that sense but we should declare the truth yes and we should speak the truth even to kings you remember what happened with john the baptist oh yes and he actually spoke the truth to king herod mm. and he says to him you can't have your brother's wife to be your wife and what ends what ends up happening john the baptist is thrown into prison for that because Lost he had head, the boldness yeah. to speak but he yeah. didn't cause a protest yeah. john the baptist was very much followed and loved by the people of israel that's why the even the jews almost tried to trick jesus you know by what spirit did john the baptist speak yeah. Uh, John the Baptist could have sent his disciples to call a protest, but he didn't. He actually just, he said, even himself, he said, well, Jesus must increase, I must decrease. You know, and um, he didn't call for a protest, but he did speak. And I think that's the balance for All us. Right. Don't protest, but at least speak. You know, tell the truth. <laughs> Quite a mouthful. Never again can you say, I did not hear, I did not know. Scriptural, skriftelik, tot hy met 12 uur vanmiddag. As jy een vraag het wat jy wil instuur, Susan, jy is volgende aan die beurt. Kijk hoe ek jou kopie nou, nie geweet ons gaan van jou praat nie. Maar uh, Susan, jy is volgende aan die beurt. En as jy een vraag het wat jy wil instuur, I did make a promise, I will give the WhatsApp number uh, often during the program. Here it is, O. 82. Have you got it? 082. It's on the Vodacom network, then 657, the number on which we broadcast uh, here in Gauteng, 657 AM frequency, and then the number 2, 
and then 729. There you have it. 0826572729. Send your questions through. Please make mention of the scriptures that is not clear to you and we'll endeavor to answer those questions in this program. Uh, Rocky, die volgende het in Afrikaans zijn gekom, goeiemorgen pastoor, wijnand te help asjeblief, ek het so weile terug vir julle gevra, hoekom gee die heren van my kinders en kleinkinders as ek nie na by julle kan wees nie? Nou luister nou hierna, skielik kry my manna onderhoud na aan al die familie en kinders. Hoe gaan ek weet dis van Abba af? Uh, ons sal alles doen om na by ons kinders te wees, maar net as dit Abba se wil is. There's a, a very strange story, uh, Rocky, about the elderly lady that was driving to town in the morning, on a Saturday morning month end, and she was asking the Lord, Lord, would you kindly supply me with a parking spot in front of the bank? And whilst driving down Main Road, praying to the Lord, asking fervently, petitioning the Lord, a car pulled out right in front of the bank. And then she said, Lord, not to worry, thank you, uh, there is a parking there. And she pulled into the parking. Now, Susan, ek vertel dit in so half tong in die kies, maar uh, interessant, jy het gevra om na die kinders te wees, Nou is hier een geleentheid en jou vraag is dood eenvoudig, is dit van die Heer af? Rocky, how do we test this? Uh, when we ask the Lord something and then it happens, in this case she wanted to be close to her children and grandchildren, all of a sudden out of the blue hubby gets a, a job application close to the family. <laughs> now she asks, how do I test this? Is this from the Lord? Is it not? Because if it's in God's perfect will, surely we go. But if it's not from God, how do I test this? Does the word give us any direction uh, with regards to this? Definitely. Um, It's it's never quite straightforward. However, there is a number of passages and principles that we can apply to even in this. One would be to look at what kind of a job was given. If it was a job that is going to have some kind of a wickedness, of course not. You know, then um, sometimes we might be tested even by by getting some of the things that we that we have to actually look at our our own heart motive and what our principles are but uh, a passage like uh, proverbs 15 verse 22 comes to mind it says without consultation plans are frustrated but with many counselors they succeed and so one of the principles would be to actually seek counsel from good godly people within your life and so the church elders for yes, that matter. the church elders for that matter and and that's another good point that you make there even from a local church perspective one one good thing to look at would be uh, you know jobs are almost easier to come by than good local churches yeah. and so you would look at that area and say is there a local church that I can go serve in our first point of call and our first ministry as christians is towards the Lord Jesus and towards his bride, his church. And so that's where our first heart ought to be regarding that. Even, as I mentioned a bit earlier on, even if, uh, in a way, our familial kind of a love should look like hatred compared to our love of Christ. Yeah. You know, so Christ must be our first reason. We should actually be looking at ministry opportunity above even work opportunity. But even inside of our work, we do minister, we do give glory to the Lord. Another principle would be to not be anxious. And that, that, that's a repeated command all the way through the New Testament. Jesus yeah. says, do therefore, not be anxious, yeah, he says anxious in, about anything. In Matthew 6, 34, he says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So you want to check your heart that even when you have this prayer that you've prayed that has, in a sense, seeming, seemingly been answered, 
that you're not anxious about this, that you trust the Lord and that you have peace about this. And Philippians 4 comes to mind again. Philippians 4 is a a favorite passage regarding this. Philippians 4 verse 4 to 9 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Whether or not you have this desire come about or not come about, rejoice. And then let your reasonableness be known to everyone. So we are called to be reasonable. We are called to actually weigh things up. And so you could look and you could actually have what are the pros of this decision if we took this decision what are the cons to this decision god expects us to be a thoughtful people and to actually think through these things well what is the salary that has been offered yeah what what is our needs every month to live by and so you can weigh up the pros and the cons and be realistic about this but you also know that the lord knows the desires of your heart you've been praying about this you've been praying that the lord would open a door that you would have this and the lord loves to be good to his children as well in that sense but you are to be reasonable and it says the lord is at hand Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. You can ask God and say, God, please, please, would you give me... um, Give me wisdom regarding this decision. Yeah. You know, would, would you give me peace in my heart if this is a decision that I should be taking? Or would you remove peace from my heart if this is a decision that I shouldn't be taking? Yeah. Please guide my steps. I belong to you. I don't belong to myself. You know the desires that I have, but maybe it is that you take me there, that I can be with my children, my grandchildren. I'd love that. All right. But please, give you, would you direct me? And then he says in verse 7 of Philippians 4, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And so you can ask God for that peace as you as you beseech him in that yeah. way, and you ask him for that. Would I be sinning against God if I've asked the Lord six months ago this question? And I've been waiting, and in fact, Christians have given me the answer to this, as you are giving an answer to it now. But I don't respond to that. I've been asking the Lord, but I don't do anything about it. Would I, would they, would I be wrong in that? Because I'm asking God for an answer. He's given me an answer. Now I don't do anything about it. Yeah, and this, this speaks to the marvelous wisdom of God's providence in life. He, he's so good that, that even our bad decisions he will use for his glory. That doesn't give us an excuse for those bad decisions. And that's why there was that argument in Romans chapter 6. Well, should I sin so that grace may abound? No, yeah. not of course. Because God in his mercy will even use that. You think of somebody like Jonah. And Jonah was told to go to Nineveh. Yeah. Nineveh flees. He decides he gets on board a ship and he goes to Tarshish. And while he's on that ship, God causes the storm. The sailors even actually turn to the Lord. And go look at the book of Jonah. It's just four chapters. It's a wonderful book. And you can see the way that God marvelously will be glorified even through somebody's disobedience because those sailors get saved by God. They actually start offering sacrifices to God at the end of chapter 1 of Jonah. And so God even takes this bad decision of Jonah and he uses it for his glory and then he marvelously uses this even more if you go and look at the Ninevites the kind of God that they worshipped was a fish God I don't know if you're aware of that it's amazing you think now he has this guy that gets swallowed by a fish and three days later he he gets vomited up onto the beach and then he has to walk quite a distance to get to Nineveh And the people had heard about him already before this I mean he ends up giving like a six word sermon in Hebrew it's amazing. You think he doesn't even preach And it long. was a city that was, what, three days walk in its length, its breadth, yes. and its width? I mean, he's walking through. He's probably had all of his hair on his body burnt off by the stomach acids of the yeah. fish. He's probably been kind of made 
a little bit more pale than usual yeah. because of the fish's stomach acids. Yes. He's just been spat up by a massive fish, and this story probably preceded him before he gets in. You've got 120,000 people that repent. You've got revival that breaks out in Nineveh. And so you see how God's hand was even over the wrong decision of Jonah. And God always directs the steps of his children. God looks after his children. So Psalm 37 would be a great place to go and just be refreshed again. As you think about, I've been young, I've been old, but I've never seen his children begging for bread. God is over even the small things in our lives, the little decisions that we make. So there's no like grand domino effect, you know, that like, okay, now I made this decision and 72 people died in China or something. And I think that's sometimes how we get a bit mystical with regard to the decisions that we make. But you can take biblical principles, get some good counsel, pray to the Lord, search the scriptures, trust in him. You've been praying for this and, and then trust him to lead you as you make the decision regarding this. And even if you made the wrong decision, the, there's, the Lord is over this. Yeah. You know, and I think that gives us peace as Christians, is that we can trust the Lord. And, and I do think here's another principle maybe that's worthwhile just touching on. I think too many are Christian in our days quite fatalistic when it comes to the sovereignty of God. They'll say to themselves, well, God is sovereign over this, so then God will make it happen. So I don't need to be obedient. No, you be obedient. You continue to preach the gospel. You continue to pray. You continue to do what God has called you to do. And he will direct your steps. Yeah. And the Lord yeah. directs our steps. Yeah. And so for, for Susan even, um, another wonderful principle is that, that submit yourself underneath your husband's headship within the home. Yeah. Go to your husband. Let um, Talk with your husband. Obviously, you, you've got certain desires, but go to your husband and pray together as a couple. And then go where, where he would lead and trust the Lord even in that. And there's a wonderful safeguard even for a lady's heart, in a marriage at least, that God has given a husband who is the head of his home. And, and she can submit herself underneath her husband as to the Lord, as um, we see Paul writing even in, I think it's, uh, where was that, Philippians 6, I believe it is. Yeah. Um, and y- you can trust the Lord in this. And, and then, you know, trust the Lord that even through your di- the direction of your husband, he will give good wisdom. And, and Vainant, you, you mentioned the elders of the church. Go and speak with your elders, you know, ask them to pray with you and see, right. where, see where, they, where they, they will know you better as well. All um, right. Yeah. So the, the, the message is clear. Get some counsel and then act on it. When, when there's no anxiety in your heart and it's really from the Lord, then go and do something about it. Right. Need to take a quick break. Uh, Ikasa says we have to play some music as well. Uh, going to take you to Luke 14 and verse 26 right after this. Luke 14 and 26. Can you look as 14, 26? Vraag nou oor. As iemand na my te kom en hy haat nie sy vader en sy moeders, sy vrou en sy kinders, sy broer en sy sister, ja, selfs nie sy eie leven nie, kan hy nie my disciple wees nie. What a mind-blowing scripture. What are we to make of that? Luke 14, 26. Maar eerste het ons uh, muziek op die draaitafel, hier is Anja en Enrico, hier ene word genoem Oceans of the Heart. Geniet om saam met ons, en as jy jou vraag wil instuur, 082657 27, 29. Yeah, the message of life, and sometimes you click the button and you click 
the button and nothing happens and we get what is called dead air. By God's grace, we are still with you until uh, 12 o'clock uh, this morning. So, nou ja, keir saam met ons, baie dankie vir die vraag wat besig is om in te stroom. Let's see this one, Luke 14 and verse 26. Uh, Rocky, if you can just look at it in the English Bible, iemand wat die vraag vraag is, iemand na my te kom en hy haat nie sy vader en sy moeder, sy vrou en sy kinder, sy broers en sy sisters, ja, selfs ook sy eie leven nie, kan hy nie my disciple wees nie. There is a notion nowadays, we've got to be good parents, if my son is an alcoholic, got no job, and he is an addict, well, I should take him under my roof, look after him, love him, or should I say, well, you've made the wrong choices in life, you know, stay on the street, how do we, what do we do, what do, how are we to understand this scripture, how are we to interpret this scripture? Rocky, what's your Bible? Yeah, it says here, um, now great crowds accompanied him, this is Luke fourteen twenty five onward, and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And I would add verse 27 into that because there needs to be that bearing his own cross. Each one has an individual cross to bear and they need to bear that cross. It's a cross that would shine a light onto the glory of Christ's cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You need to be following the Lord. And then he goes on into a section from verse 28 onward to verse 39 where he talks about counting that cost. He says, you know, you need to be able to be somebody who counts this cost. And at the end, he says in verse 33, so therefore anyone of you who does not renounce all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. The Christian comes to a place where they realize that they've been bought with the price of Christ's blood that they belong to him and him alone, that their stuff belongs to him. And that's part of what he's drawing us toward this. And right after this, in verse um, 34, and and he says this, Salt is good, but if it, if salt loses its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? But is of no use, either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears, let him hear. Um, let him hear this. And so we need to be a salty people. We need to be a people that follow the Lord Jesus no matter what happens. Our love for him must be above all of this. One of the tools that's helpful for us when we come to looking at a passage that might be even difficult for us to understand is to look at the parallel passages. A parallel passage for this would be a passage like Matthew chapter 10 from verse 26 to 39. Let me read this and then you'll see some of the similarity that comes out and it helps to explain some of what Jesus means. He says, therefore, do not fear them for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in darkness, speak in the light. And what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. You see, we go and we proclaim this gospel of Jesus Christ. And do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for uh, an asorium? And yet not one of them has fallen to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are numbered. So do not fear. So part of the context of this passage is do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. Are they not more man, more valuable than, are you not more valuable than sparrows? Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my father who is in heaven. What's Jesus right. getting at? Confess me, live me, give me to the people around you. And then he says, but whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my father who is in heaven. Do, do not think 
Oh, so he says this, Do not think that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to sit to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemy will be the member of his own household. And then he says this, this is the parallel section, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Wow. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who, he who does not take up his cross and follow me, he is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. This is the point that Jesus is making. When you come to salvation, when you have been born again, Jesus must be your all. You yeah. follow him wholeheartedly. Your absolute, he, he, he dominates you. So much so that you will stand by the truth no matter what comes. If it puts a wedge between you and mother, you and child, you and wife, you and anything, Christ is your all. And you must give your all for him. And if you suffer for doing righteousness, praise yeah. God. You know, it's another thing if you suffer because you did something wrong. Yeah. When you did something wrong, you deserve to suffer. Okay? If you get thrown into prison because you actually deserve to get thrown into prison, you cheated on your tax form or whatever it is, yeah. you deserve that. But when you get thrown into prison because you've been declaring Christ or because you've been assembling with the saints and you've been worshiping him, praise God for that. And so that's a, an answer in short regarding that passage. All right. Uh, thank you so much. Rocky, time has run out. It is five minutes. We have to be out of studio. Can we answer this one quickly that uh, the listener had sent in? Let me see if I can just find it here quickly. It's a question pertaining to Numbers 21 and verse 8. What Moses gemaakt in 2 Konings 18 verse 4 Christo wat die vraag do we know how long this snake traveled with him? Can you answer that in 30 seconds to a yes, minute? Yes, yes, um, we, we can. Well, the, the wilderness wanderings were around 1446 to 1406 BC. So that's more or less the 40-year wanderings of Moses in the desert. And then Hezekiah, who's referred to there in Second Kings, who actually destroyed this bronze serpent. You'll, you'll remember the serpent was set up as a picture for Christ. Yes. Because they'd been bitten by the fiery serpent. They needed to look at the serpent and then they'd live. And that was around 715 to 686 BCs when, when Hezekiah lived. So it's almost, let's say, 800 years that this bronze serpent was traveling with um, Israel. And then this bronze serpent was, was taken to with the tabernacle. And that was at Shiloh. You'll remember that the temple was only built by King Solomon after David. And then the bronze serpent would have been there. But the problem is that the people began to worship the bronze serpent. And this is why Hezekiah destroyed this bronze serpent. They oh, started right. to think this is where our salvation comes. And they made an idol out of a good thing that God had given. Like you can of your family. You can make an idol of your family. You must love Jesus first. So this ties in even to our last question. Right. That was in a nutshell. Bless you, uh, Rocky. Thank you so much. Tijd om te groet. gaan Rocky, thank you so much. Somebody wants to get hold of you email-wise. Pastor at? BenoniBibleChurch.co.com it's good to listen to Rocky Stevenson, Vinod Rousseau, scriptural, but Acts 17.11 says, search the scriptures to see if these things are so. Till next time, keep well, God bless you, and shalom.